Hello, blank page, my old friend. I've come to stare at you again. Hint, hint, listeners, in case you were wondering about the topic today. But first, let's go to some housekeeping. Remember, if you like our podcast, if you're on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, make sure you give us five stars and write a review. Doing both of those things will help to push us up the charts and help more people discover us. And if you're on Stitcher, they don't let you do that through the app itself. You have to go onto your laptop through the website. But the good news is you don't have to do some complicated ass login with the password and all that kind of crap. All you have to do is scroll down and where you see all the reviews, there's gonna be a little link on the um, upper right hand side that says write a review, leave a review, click on that and then boom, the whole thing just pops up. So five stars and a simple review, nothing elaborate, just a, hey, thanks for making us laugh. Hey, I peed a little. Okay, maybe not that, they might censor you out there. Or, you're welcome, gals. A you're welcome would be perfect. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Shout out to everyone who has been leaving reviews. Shout out to Mimi Mimi 14 14 14 14 for leaving a rating and a review, a five star rating, no less. And shout out to everyone else who's been leaving five star ratings for us. We really appreciate it. Leaving both the five star rating and a review is what really helps us out. And we are filled with nothing but gratitude for all y'all. So thank you for listening and housekeeping over. Thank you. Okay. Since we are writers who tend to procrastinate, I think one reason some people procrastinate is on account of writer's block. Yes. I think we all have some kind of idea of what writer's block is. Kind of that inability to come up with something to write. Oh, you're looking for what I believe in about writer's block. Yeah, um, you got to contribute to the conversation. No, 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 sorry. I was actually listening. I thought you were going into your first, your, your intro about writer's block. Um, it's the weirdest thing. It's either I could write something and it'll come to me and I'll finish it all, get it out, or something is stuck in my head and it'll be stuck there for three months. And mm. no matter what I do, it won't come out till it's ready. I don't know what that is, though. I don't know if I'm just too superstitious and I should just sit down and, and force it out of me. But I sort of like, okay, this this will come when it does. And then I have a bunch of post-its everywhere with thoughts that began to form but never took fruition. Mm. Well, if you have an issue where it never takes fruition, I think it might be good to try and build the writing habit. Gotcha. What do you consider writer's block? For example, um, do you put it, not being able to finish a particular story, do you put it in the same category as not being able to read a first draft and make edits to it or two completely different beasts? I think those are two completely different beasts. Okay. I think the not being able to read a first draft and edit is just a fear. That is fear. It's either fear of being critiqued or a fear of having to change things. Because I do go through my first drafts with my novels and I'm like, oh God, I'm going to have to tear apart all of this. Where am I going to rearrange things? How am I going to make it so everything flows? Yeah. Because if I graft, oh my God, with my Beatrice book, I'm going to have to graft some scenes earlier on and that's going to affect some plot points. Oh no. Oh my God. And I love that story. So, so I'm going to have to figure out ways around that because there are some things logistically. Okay where um, I have to have that earlier. Yes. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Trying to work out all of those kinks is, I can see the reluctance to go through the first draft because you don't want to make those changes because, oh my God, I did all this work and now I'm going to have to rip it all apart. So I think that is different from writer's block. 
I think that's more kind of the fear and reluctance. A revision block. There we go. A revision block. Coined by Carly. Revision block. I love it. Trademarked. It's trademarked now. A problem that I have on one of my stories that I never finish, I made her a killer. And then I don't think she had a strong enough reason to be. Mm. And even though I know that's who she's going to end up, she's a fucked up person. It's it's the backtrack and putting in the work to justify why she's that fucked up person. So character motivation is a major thing you'll, you'll probably want to explore. Yes. I think it might help if you do some character-based exercises with this particular character. I'm saying the word character a lot and eh, fuck it. I don't have a backspace key on my mouth, but... Um, I think that might help you to figure out your character's motivation. Kind of delve in what could have happened with her past. Is she carrying a grudge? Has someone done a particular harm for her and she's kind of out for revenge? Yeah. Is it a Dexter sort of situation where... I mean, don't take the Dexter situation, but is it a case where someone had trained her this way? Um, Another thing that I'm realizing, as I spend more time reading... I'm not a job now where I have lots of time to read and lots of things come across my desk that Mm. are interesting to read. And I don't think I write adult fiction. Ooh, what do you think you write? You think you write YA? No. I think I write children's stories. Okay. So I just got Children's stories with murderers. No, that's what I think. That's (laughs) how I got to dial it back. Because all all of the stories that I write are... are, I I like funny ideas and I like adventures for kids. I just got to figure out why my kids swear so much and kill people. (laughs) Or is that adult? You got... Well, that's adult when you have that kind of content. Okay. But... You see, you've you, talked you to me. You write for immature adults. That's what it is. What are immature adults? What, what do, if you're almost us. 12. Us. But <laughs> what, what do you call our category? What's our demographic? It's still adult. Oh, it's still adult. Okay. Yeah, not... you just got to hope for the next immature fuckwit commercial thick. Okay. Sort of revolution. So I'm an immature ad- adult. That's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. And so am I. I'm always going to be 12. Oh my God. Okay. I got to digress a little bit because okay. I, I kind of have a flex. Uh-huh. Because I know I talk about my my using weights recently. Yes. I have a couple of calluses on my right hand. Aww. They do. Just just a little two of them. How do you tell you have calluses? Because they're rough, like when you don't... Is that a callus? Yeah, that little... little Do I have a callus? You don't have calloused hands. Maybe I have so many calluses you can't tell that I have a single one. Ooh... All the... All the scaliness of your skin has combined to make it extra soft. (laughs) Just to balance each other out, kind of like Mr. Burns and all of his ailments and diseases. They're in a perfect balance that helps keep him alive. But that, that really is a, a bona fide callus on your hand, dude. Yeah, I have two of them. Kind of like when I was a kid playing on the monkey bars. Does it hurt? No, it doesn't hurt. I'm, I'm just grateful they're not blisters. But I'm, I'm looking at them and like, I have evidence I've been lifting weights. I'm, ooh, I've been doing work. Nice. Yeah. Now I'm looking for my calluses. You don't have calluses. I have calluses. Start lifting. Start lifting. You'll get some calluses. Oh, Marina, I I'm think telling I have one you. right here on the side where I hold my pen. That's not a weightlifting callus, though. That's not That's not a flex. That's a flex. That's I not was, a flex. I was holding a pen. Oh, you're writing like a motherfucker. The pen is mightier no. than the okay, sword. Okay, okay, that's your flex. You've been writing like a motherfucker. <laughs> All right. I'll let you have it. Ah, <laughs> oh, dude. Okay, so enough about me. <laughs> enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think of me? <laughs> That was, a, that was a line from Beaches. With, wow. Yeah, with Bette Midler, my age is showing, and 
bucket. Was it Beaches where she dies at the end from a heart condition? Um, I think it was Cancer. Is Barbara Hershey's character. Okay. So enough of my annoying digressions. We'll get back to writer's block. Yes. Apparently a point of contention in the writer's community is that writer's block may or may not be a myth. Some people simply don't believe it exists. Wow. I am not of that camp. I believe it does exist because you can have all sorts of mental blocks and emotional blocks that keep you from creating. So I know a couple of... um, I was at a writer's conference in San Diego and Bob Mayer was doing one of his classes and he was saying he doesn't believe in writer's block. He says writer's block just means a lack of butt glue. You're not gluing your butt into the seat and typing. Nice. So he thinks it's just a a lack of motivation. Steve Martin was saying with writer's block, he said that authors kind of use it as an excuse just to drink alcohol. They invented the word as an excuse to get drunk and try to find their inspiration at the bottom of a bottle or something like that. Wow. So we have the one side who believes writer's block exists. And then we have the other side who believes that it's a myth like the tooth fairy or hope in the 21st century. Hope in the 21st century. Or Godfather Part 3. Which is absolutely true. So writer's block must be true, too. Wait. Hmm. Although they might exist in different timelines, because writer's block exists in my timeline. Yes. Although the Godfather Part... There's no Godfather Part 3. You're just in denial because it was so fucking beautiful. No, I think the the Mandela effect is in action. So maybe... Maybe... Because I know there's, like, this glitch in the Matrix, and, like, your timeline, they have... They have Writer's Block and Godfather Part 3. I have Writer's Block, no Godfather Part 3. No Godfather Part 3. It was always the Berenstain Bears growing up, so I've always been a part of that timeline. I think there are also people out there who don't want to accept that Michael Corleone didn't get a happy ending. And they don't want to believe that he's gone. I'm fine with him not getting the happy ending. And just dying. That was inevitable. But Godfather Part 3 was an abortion, Michael. (laughs) Wrong and unholy. It was an abortion. There was love. There was loss. There was Andy Garcia when he was young. Before we knew he was all MAGA hat and shit. Is he? Oh, shit. I was too lazy to look that up on Twitter. (laughs) The internet is where your crushes go to die. I think I said that one before. Anyway, I am of the camp that happens to believe writer's block is real. Okay. And I believe Sabrina is one of those as well. Yes. Author Jeffrey Deaver calls it idea block. Idea block. Idea block. And there's one writer's blog that um, I was looking through and the clickbaity title was there's no such thing as writer's block, but she just calls it being stuck. I think being stuck is something we can all agree on that exists. I think some people just don't want to call it writer's block because it sounds like it's some kind of grand entity that we can't control, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or we're just leaning on it as an excuse for something. But the idea of being stuck is real. And I think if anyone says there's no such thing as being stuck, then they're just total asshats. And they can eat my post-Chipotle asshole. (laughs) All of it. Before the baby wipes. Jeez. Yeah. Because she loves to go visual in her writing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Show don't tell. Show don't tell. Exactly. Paint a picture. <laughs> that is what you're supposed to do for your readers. Paint a picture. Um, and I have to make a confession now. Something okay. that Stephen King says about um, writing. 
the two best things you can do for writer's block, read a lot, write a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and it hit me every night, no matter the day, I can watch at least one feature film. Mm -hmm. So I was talking with coworkers and in the environment that I'm at right now, there is time to finish a book every day. Ooh. So I've been pushing myself to finish a novel every day. Um, just to read it. Uh, most of it is like YA or, or short novels. I'm not reading like um, The Goldfinch in a single night or anything like that. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, your regular 200, 250 page, like a Harlan Coben novel. Yeah. I could finish one of those in the night. So I'm pushing myself to do that because if I can watch a two-hour movie, I can spend the exact same amount of time reading a book. Oh, yeah. So I'm trying to up the amount of books that I read every year. Um, and I've also noticed that sticking to is, is it right to call it long form mm -hmm. um before i really started this i devour magazines periodicals and i'm and i'm wondering is that why i have a short attention span because i'm reading through magazines and periodicals instead of reading more long form writing you know i think there might be something to that because i have no attention span for a magazine i think magazines just kind of compel me to just flip past the pretty pictures and lists gotcha and I'm not going to take the time to read anything in it, per se. But if I find the right novel and it hits the right sweet spot for me... You'll finish it. Yeah. With school and everything, you get such a workload that I just kind of get through everything quick. I mean, there's a little bit of skimming involved, and I'm not reading as in-depth and closely as I would like. Because I have so much reading material to get through. Yes. That... I can't spend the time on it. And so it's kind of hard for me to get back into pleasure reading, which I'm trying to do. So I'll find a book and it doesn't hit my interest right away. And it's like, okay, next, next, next. I'm like, oh crap. Am I just, am I becoming a non-reader? Although Little Nasty would be like, I get it honest. You can't blame it on dad. <laughs> so, you know, hi, Big Nasty. Um, little Nasty's doing fine. Just taking care of baby. Yes. Yeah. He's growing. Yeah, he's lifting heavy and eating protein in the womb. But let's see. Um, Can you listen to audiobooks? You know, I did an audiobook of um, a few stories from Edna Ferber's Butterside Down. Mm -hmm. I want to get the hard copy of it, though. I want to get an actual copy that I can flip through and read. Yes. But I might need to do an audiobook thing, too. That might be helpful. <laughs> but I did find... Um, I did find a book recently that I'm just starting to devour. It's um, from Amy Stewart, Girl Waits with Gun, oh. about the real-life Constance Cop, who becomes the first female sheriff, at least in her county in New Jersey. And it takes place in 19... I believe 1914. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's super fascinating. And since the book I'm writing takes place in, like, 1917, oh. it, it kind of helps me confirm if some of my period details are accurate. Nice. What are you finding? I found that I need to make some references to milk glass <laughs> as a detail. Gotcha. I mean, I'm, I'm not finding anything that I need to plagiarize and whatnot. Nothing like that. Milk glass. I just Googled that. Oh! But I did have a tin ceiling in, in my book anyway, so I um, I like the humor that she uses as well way she kind of has this droll understated sort of humor that um, matches the old-timey voice of the book. So I've been really getting into that one, so I'm hoping that will help to create a sort of avalanche effect of me just 
doing nothing but pleasure reading for this next couple of months. Yeah. Before school starts again, and I have to go back to academic drudgery. See, this is how you send me down a rabbit hole. Oh, now no. Now I'm looking at milk glass. Okay, bookmark milk glass, and let's get back to the podcast. Yes. Let me close this out. Bookmark. Bookmark, bitch. But the reason why I brought up audiobooks, um, to help me with my writer's block, sometimes I'll have an idea, and... I don't have a chance to jot it down. So I thought, you know, I walk around with a cell phone in my back pocket or in my purse with me all the time. Let me just say it into the uh, the audio recorder. So I started recording myself, my ideas. I would never go back to listen to it. Mm. So I just had all these audio files. I'm like, what are these audio files? And I would go through it and it's me talking about things, but I can't tie it to anything I'm writing or even why I said it. So mm. just a bunch of audio files of me saying things I don't even remember talking about. And I'm like, oh my God, delete. Oh no. <laughs> Have you ever had that? I always think I'm going to get myself a little recorder because mm-hmm. I come up with ideas when I'm driving. Yes. And I can just press the recorder. I don't have to worry about taking up space on my phone. I'm one of those people who's really stingy with the storage space. Yeah. I'm such a, I'm such a phone miser is what I am. But um, I never get around to doing that. But I think I might end up having what you have is just a bunch of random audio and nothing that goes with it. (laughs) No context. Oh, that's hilarious. But read a lot, write a lot sounds like pretty solid advice. Yes. I think we quoted that particular line in our good writing advice episode. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. But reading helps to fill the well when the well runs dry. Yes. So I think we should kind of start talking about some of the reasons we get stuck. Okay. Some of the reasons we get stuck. Um, Some of the, maybe three of the four of the stories I've started to write and I've actually shared some pages with you because it's like pulling teeth getting pages out of me for you. Um, I, I, I know how a character is formed. Like I know her background or his background, and I know where they're headed, but it's that middle part of, of, like I said, with the killer, of explaining how they ended up at that point without just assuming, just just know where my head is going. That's where I run into problems. So maybe I have to get into a habit of fleshing the characters out completely before putting them into the scenarios that I do and trying to write out something. Although I think trying to do the whole 100% completion is kind of a procrastination tactic. Yeah. But I think you can meet in the middle gotcha. and flesh out the characters more than you normally do and then put them into their situations. Because sometimes you don't know who they are until you put them into situations. So I think if you can delve into enough, say, backstory, mm-hmm. that sort of thing, that'll give you an idea of what these characters' motivations are. Yeah. Because the past tends to inform the present. Very cool. The past is prologue is a quote I heard from somewhere. And if I find who spoke it first, then I can put it up in the show notes or on the episode page. Give credit where credit is due. Maybe make it into a pretty little meme style and Mm -hmm. then make it our episode picture. Very cool. So one of the reasons you get stuck is like character motivation. Um, character motivation as far as justifying it to the people around them of why they're doing it. Okay. I think that makes sense. One of my things I tend to do 
is I write first and then I come up with motivation later. Gotcha. So sometimes the action they do helps me to see who they are and then I can delve into the why they did it. I think another reason some people get stuck with their writing is the fear of writing crap. Yeah. It's why a blank page is so terrifying to look at. It is, but at the same token, I always thought I was going to write crap. Like, my goal was always to become, like, a junior staff writer at Nickelodeon or write garbage B-movies that get made into Z-horror films. That kind of a life. <laughs> Just enough to make you a Laurel Canyon co-core, you know? Hashtag goals. <laughs> You're the one that taught me that term yes. when we were listening to the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles. Laurel Canyon cokehead music. I put Bob Seger in that category, too. Hey! I know. Okay, but, but, you're going to do an I told you so on me. I was driving home from Sonoma State one night, and this was, I think it was, God, it was like last year. At the beginning of the semester, because it was still dark by the time I got out of class, and I was driving through the rural winding roads and everything. Oh, wow. And... I had the radio on and I was flipping through channels and Bob Seger's, um, it was Night Moves. Night Moves came on. Fucking love that song. And I was driving and it was the first night it wasn't raining and I had the window rolled down and the moon was out oh, yeah. and it was just like me on the road and I'm like, I am not mad at this song. And it took me this long to tell you this because I knew you were going to just... I told you so. I know. I'm like, Sabrina's going to laugh in my face if I tell her that I'm enjoying a Bob Seger song right goddamn now. So are you ready to admit that Bob Seger is up there with Warren Zevin? Give it to him. Come on. Okay. Okay. You win, Sabrina. <laughs> you win. I will her give it up. Her fingers are crossed. <laughs> My fingers were not crossed behind my back. <laughs> my toes are crossed, though. So. so she believes Night Moves is just as great a song as Werewolves of London. Mm-hmm. What is your night driving song? What is the go-to? The way that Night Moves moves me. What? Oh, my God. Now you're putting me on this. <laughs> What's your middle-of-the-night trucker song? Oh, my God. Um, are we talking about a slow song or? The, the way you felt during Night Moves. What's the song? I felt that... during Night Moves. Old 55 by Tom Waits. Oh, that's a good oh, one. Oh, yeah. So you're yeah. saying that um, Bob Seger is as good as Tom Waits. No, you're pushing it. Don't, <laughs> don't push it. Don't push it. <sighs> Sabrina loves to push her luck. <laughs> I will concede that Night Moves is a good nighttime driving song. Oh, yeah. Is there something else that gets you stuck at all besides the fear of writing crap? So you had character motivation. I had fear of writing crap. You know what? I didn't even delve into that so much. Yeah, the fear of... But is it is it fear of writing crap or is it fear that other people will think it's crap? Both. Because here's the thing. Or sometimes I'll think I write something good and then my critique group's like, um, none of us are feeling it. Someone who is fearless and someone who you have to admit when he writes his stories probably does not think about what average people will think. John Waters... Oh my god, I worship John Waters. He's my imaginary uncle. When he writes those stories, mm -hmm. I doubt there's a fear of what... Because, you know, a lot of people can read that and be like, this is absolute shit. What? Where is <laughs> And this literally, going? if we're going at the end of Pink Flamingos... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there, Spoilers. There are squares out there who would have read Pink Flamingos... And shit their pants. Exactly. 
So he, you know what's funny? Uh-huh. Okay. So, you know, at the end of Pink Flamingos, Divine eats the dog shit and has the shit-eating grin? Yeah. For some reason, I can always detach from that and go to the denial part of my brain and just pretend it was a candy bar and special effects and all that kind of thing. The more, the most disturbing scene in that movie was the singing asshole. <laughs> I can watch the Divine eating dog shit no problem because of denial brain, but you can't unsee that asshole. I have to turn my head when that pops on. Gotcha. <laughs> I was like, no, that one, that one is terrible. No. <laughs> we might have to put a mature content disclaimer because of Pink Flamingos references. But, oh, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> so a fear of, um, of, of writing crap. What is another fear of my writer's block? Because I've had it for the past decade. Um, formatting. Hmm. I have started by giving you six or seven pages to a novel and then when I come back to you at our next meeting, it has turned into three pages of a screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you remember those days. I remember those days. And it's days. like, what the fuck am I doing? Well, because I think um, with your background, you're primarily doing screenplays. Yeah. And I'm not sure where the novel thing came from, unless it was that time we did NaNoWriMo together for the first time. I think this is what happened. We were doing NaNoWriMo, and I think you told me to flesh out my motorcycle girl story. Um, I think NaNoWriMo was pre-motorcycle girl. It was the zombie story. You know what? And I need to flesh that out because that's a whole fucking first draft done just sitting on my computer collecting dust. Do it! I know, Do fuck. Do it! Yeah. Oh my god. My back and forth between the two and then never completing either. That's that's something I run into as well. Yeah. I think that's why you tend to gravitate towards Elmore Leonard stuff. Because it reads more like a screenplay than yes. a formal novel. So does Harlan's work. Harlan Coben's. Ah. And here's another thing. I think people that make movies read like me too. Because hmm. there are a lot of great novels out there. But but Elmore Leonard's work and Harlan Coben's work easily made into films and, and TV shows. It has, it's something to do with the dialogue, right? Oh, yeah. The dialogue is snappy, and there's, you don't have to worry about working the narrative yeah. or the description into the dialogue, especially the narrative. Because then you don't have to worry about that as-you-know-Bob dialogue. Gotcha. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. Remember in the Badass Bitches episode? Yes. I was on the search for a streaming version of Lucky Chances. Yes. I found it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Are you going to link to it? I'm kind of afraid to because I don't want... Them to take it away. Yeah, I don't want... Share it with me at the end. I'll share it with you at the end. I don't want to be taken away. Anyway, a lot of As You Know Bob dialogue in there. Oh, <sighs> my God. Because I know with Jackie Collins, I don't recall as much of the As You Know Bob dialogue because the narrative takes care of a lot of that. I might go back and see if there's any. So don't quote me on anything. Yeah. Don't quote me, boy, because I ain't said shit, as the great philosopher Eze once said. <laughs> but... It was, oh, it was a thing to behold. It was 80s, early 90s miniseries realness to a right? T. Then all-star cast. I think we need to do a Patreon bonus episode where we watch this and we talk about it. That would be hilarious. <gasps> it has a young Sandra Bullock in it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Playing Lucky Santangelo's mother. Wow. Mm -hmm. I still don't quite buy Nicole... Eh. Nicole Sheridan? Nic Nicolette Sheridan. Nicolette Sheridan. Nicolette Sheridan. As Italian. Gotcha. And it's not like she was Northern Italian. She's Sicilian. Whoa. But I do think she read well for the part. Yes. I will give her that. 
And plus she had kind of that square jawed look that was in in the 80s. I kind of have I kind of have that not completely square, but I have more of an angular sort of face. I could be 80s hot. I see it. I kind of I kind of miss that strong jawline thing. Now I'm looking for lucky chances. There we go. Oh my god. It it it's it's wonderful. Although, you know what pissed me off more? Okay, because Nicolette Sheridan, I will buy that she read well for the part, even though I expected her to have Italian looks and hair that never saw a comb or anything, because bitch never combed her hair. Right? <laughs> she didn't have to, okay? Lucky Santangelo never needs to comb her fucking hair, because she's lucky motherfucking Santangelo. But anyway, the thing that pissed me off the most as far as casting goes was the guy who played Marco. He popped onto the scene... Okay, Marco is supposed to be tall and like real muscular, beefy and very Italian looking, dark. He had like dark hair that kind of curled a little over his collar. Not not a mullet, not a mullet. So let's not get that twisted. But this was pre-mullet because this took place in the 70s. It yeah. wasn't quite the dirtbag era just yet. But anyway, he was like darkly Italian, kind of had the stereotypical dark Italian looks like swarthy, dark eyed, dark haired olive complexion, just big and beefy. Then the guy who who came onto the scene, I'm like, who the fuck is that honky? And then I checked the IMDb credits. It's like fucking Grant's show of Melrose Place. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's like the 90s equivalent of the Blake Shelton People magazine Sexiest Man Alive cover. He's that level of bland. Granola. But Blake Shelton is kind of hot though. Granola with rice dream on it. Oh my god. No. I'm like, that's not Marco. Fuck that shit. I'm glad I didn't pay for this. Gotcha. No, that's, no. Grant's show is like fucking Oat Bran. Except Oat Bran at least helps you take a shit. <laughs> so it's useful. They were all bland on Melrose Place. It was, yeah. yeah. That was just, that was a painfully Caucasian show. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. Grant's show is poorly miscast and he has like zero charisma he's just like i'm good looking hi uh, yeah i guess kendall good looking kendall good looking like, i'm a serial killer i'm probably gonna murder you and fuck your skull mm. vincent Irizarry's hot though and i remember, yeah. I remember oh my watching God. him on guiding he, light he could get it i like gino with this bad italian accent that was that was such a terrible accent that was such a bootleg accent but you know gino was well cast i will i will say that and I'm sorry, I didn't watch him on Guiding Light. I watched him on... Oh, it was a Guiding Light. I'm tripping. Yeah, there were so many soap actors in that. I almost said soap opera actors. So then my vocaling got all weird in the middle of everything. But I'm keeping it. Okay, so I think we're we're digressing again. <laughs> That's what we do. That's another writer's block. Oh my god. So you know what another thing is like when I get stuck? It's because I have a f- bunch of distractions. Can I get this off of my chest after 20 years? Okay. Sorry. Okay. It's because of Vinton Irizarry. It's your fault. Okay. My fault. Because I was thinking about All My Children. <laughs> Do you remember Erica Kane from All My... Did you ever watch the Poppers in the 80s? I never watched all... I never... That was an ABC soap. I watched the CBS ones. I watched... You were Guiding, Guiding Light, Young Guiding and the Light, Young and the Restless, Bold and the Beautiful, As the World Turns. So Those I started... My um, this is how I did my day. Um, I started out... There was something right before All My Children, and then I would watch Guiding Light, and then sometimes switch back to uh, Once in a Lifetime on ABC, and then I would end it with General Hospital. <laughs> 
But to get to the Erica Kane bit, we're talking, this is the early 90s, because I remember I was, I, I know where I was when this episode happened. So she has got this new hot boyfriend named Jack, mm. but her ex-husband comes to town. And so the ex-husband's like, I've only been gone for five years, you moved on? S something like that. And so Erica is like, I'm sorry, we're just going to have to uh, work this out and come to an amicable divorce. He's like, okay, mm -hmm. so she's with Jack, but she has this ex-husband, well, soon-to-be ex-husband, and then next thing you know, it's daytime, and Erica's sleeping in her room. And then next thing you know, she f there's a hand that comes out of the bed and grabs her, and she turns and she goes, what is this? And it's the ex-husband. It's the ex-husband, and... She goes, what are you doing? And he's like, making love to my wife. And she's like, but I'm in. And she starts to talk about Jack. And he's like, shut up. And he grabs her. And they pan up. They tilt the camera up. And music starts playing. That was fucking weird to me. And it's been weird for 20 years. And they <laughs> never addressed it. That's fucked up, right? And, and see, I was a kid. So if I, if I could feel that, that was fucked up as a kid, the adult who made it should have known it was fucked up, right? <laughs> That is such a convoluted situation. I I am at a loss. It, 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 and that happened on All My Children. Wait, was that? No, this was post Luke and Laura, right? Uh, this was post. Luke and Laura was like 88 or 89. Okay. This was like 92, 93 because she's with Jack already. Okay. So was there saxophone music playing <laughs> while he was crawling on top of her? There was some kind of music and then it tilts up. Because if it was saxophone music... That was 80s consent. Jesus. Then it's not fucked up. It's supposed to be okay. Now, if he had a perm on top of that, then... No, he had straight you know, black hair. Okay. So, if there's no saxophone music, then it's fucked up. If there was saxophone music, saxophone equals yes. We're going to get so much hate mail for that one. <laughs> it was Travis Montgomery. Travis Montgomery. Let me... Let me now I'm going to look him up. <laughs> Soap opera digressions. So, distraction tends to be another reason we get stuck. It was this asshole who she's sleeping. He knows that she's in a relationship with someone else. He sneaks into her bedroom and climbs on top of her. He looks like a broke Lou Diamond Phillips. Right? <laughs> he doesn't have the Lou Diamond Phillips swag. So. so that was... So all of that is wrong. Just all wrong. Cancel. Fuck it up. Right? Okay, we're done. You know what, too, is... I think another thing that gets me stuck, uh -huh. it's like the Jeffrey Deaver idea block. I just feel like the well is dry. I'm just bored with everything. My brain does not want to work out in my favor. And so it's just like, I'm drawing a blank. I, I can't even tell because I read so many of your finished manuscripts. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of fuck shit behind those manuscripts. Remember about the highlight reel versus the behind the scenes. Gotcha, gotcha. Like when... Like when someone takes a perfect Instagram moment of their beautifully organized kitchen, lip kitchen or their shoe collection, or they do the selfie of their outfit of the day, <laughs> and the background is their perfectly organized room. But then you look at the real life, and it's only that one corner that's beautiful that's, and organized. Yeah. Like the rest thrown. of the house looks like an episode of Hoarders. <laughs> I think I'm doing a very roundabout, long-winded journey in order to... Basically, I'm just making a very long-winded analogy. That's what it is. Yeah. Basically, you see a lot of my finished stuff, but also I have a hoarder house in my head in the background. Gotcha. So, yeah. 
make make of that what you will, you guys. Are there any other things that get you stuck? Like the muse isn't coming around? Because, I mean, you don't want to go around just waiting for the muse, otherwise you get nothing done. I have so many muses. I think I've had maybe four muses hmm. since you and I have met. Wait, what? What? Did you say news or muse? Muse. I said muse. You said, and what yeah. did I say? You said, you said you had so many muses. And then you're like, are you having a carb fog? I don't know what's going on. Or is my pregnancy brain. I'm getting your pregnancy brain. Yeah, my pregnancy brain is contagious. Okay, so for listeners who haven't heard the um, Food Fight 3 episode, what happened is I watched a video of Big Nasty, including the audio. Because usually I just objectify His him and just body. go, I'm just like, shh, don't talk, just shh, you're pretty, just shh, not a word, just just be pretty, just be pretty. But Sabrina had talked me into listening to him speak, right? And I did that. I watched him during an interview and he spoke and it got me pregnant. And it's like his voice has that much power. Yes. And so now I'm pregnant with Lil Nasty. And I think that catches you guys up. Yes. And after she has the baby, she's going to move to Romania. Yeah. So I think she caught my pregnancy brain. Yes. I had pregnancy fog so, for a moment. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> but you were talking about muses. Mm-hmm. Um, I have people that I could base things off of, but they're not so... It, it's not like that Sharon Stone film where her existence, the story is dependent on her existence and him seeing her on a daily schedule. Oh, okay. Um, I'll have muses that'll inspire certain things, but once the spark is there, then I don't really need that individual around to continue. Okay. My thing is just fucking procrastination, just putting it off. Oh, yeah. But see, I also belong to the camp that thinks 2010 was six months ago. Um, yeah, I I still think the 90s is six months ago. <laughs> Ten years ago was the 90s. Come on. <laughs> oh, my oh, gosh. gosh. <sighs> We're old. Fuck it. <laughs> but um, there's a thing, too, because you were talking about how sometimes you'll just write. You'll have something building up and then you'll write. Because um, I'd gone to a reading in Benicia and um, Allie Larkin was there. Okay. And she's talking about... Um, she doesn't endorse the whole write every single goddamn day thing, but she said that she'll ha- kind of have an idea or a story stewing, and then she'll she'll go for a while without writing, and then she'll kind of binge it out. And so you might kind of operate on the same kind of um, mulling it over and then binging it out. Yeah. But I think you have to work on the binging it out when the um, urge takes you. Gotcha. So I think if you um, operate on that particular... It'll, sort of creativity cycle. I, I might get some happen. work done. Or if you're going to lean into and go, oh, no, I'm just composting. And you're using it as an excuse to put things off. Then maybe you should set up a more of a writing practice. Yeah. So I think that brings us to our fixes. Nice. And Lamont has some advice of, um, okay, I'm going to quote here. If you accept the reality that you've been given, that you are not in a productive, creative period, you free yourself to begin filling up again. So she says, um, let's see. I encourage my students at times like these to get one page of anything written, 300 words of memories or dreams or stream of consciousness on how much they hate writing, just for the hell of it, just to keep their fingers from becoming too arthritic, just because they have made a commitment to try and write 300 words every day. Then on bad days and weeks, we'll let things go at that. Yeah. 
So I think it's kind of a nice compromise between wait for inspiration or write every goddamn day. You don't have to have the thousand, two thousand word goal. Just like, just do something. Just do a page. Yeah. I think that would be a good way to stave off the procrastination thing. Yes. Filling the well is very important. Read a lot. I think also, you know, go out, you know, take a walk. I'm going to sound silly when I say commune with nature. I mean, do it on a day when the sun doesn't try and kill you. But a lot of times going out for a walk, kind of just taking in some scenery. Clears the thoughts, huh? Mm-hmm. And also doing things outside of your comfort zone, I think can be very inspirational as well. Nice. And I'm going to sound like an old person and say, put down the phone when you're experiencing a cool moment. Because your life still happens even if you don't put it on Instagram. Really? Yeah. There are times when we go out and we do some cool stuff. And afterwards, I'm like, oh, God, I probably could have taken out my phone for the perfect Instagram moment. But I was like, oh, wait, I was in the moment. Gotcha. And so when you're in the moment, that can help fill your creative well. As well, that's two wells in one sentence. Fuck it. Fuck it. Fuck it. I, Fuck it in the ear. I wonder if... Um my if i'm going to look back on the past couple of years and uh wonder you know how i take pictures of my food mm -hmm. well i feel bad that i took pictures of the food instead of the family and friends that i was eating with or fuck it the food is beautiful the food is beautiful Thanks, and some people Steve. don't like being involuntary no photo like I was, I, um, someone said oh sabrina that dinner get together we went is forward me the photos and i went through my camera I took a photo, picture of my salad. I took a picture of my entree. No pictures of family whatsoever. Okay. If you're with the kind of gathering who like their photos being taken. Snap at least one. Yeah. <laughs> Appease the family. <sighs> so, you know, experience things and experience them just for themselves and not just for the Instagram moment. Yes. I think what's helped me too is honestly being part of my critique group every week. Oh, your Thursday group. Because I have to have something every week. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I don't have to. They don't smack you around. But my fellow critiquers are like, oh, you don't have anything this week? Aw. But that's usually a week where I have school. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I have a term paper I'm working on. I have a midterm I'm working on. I have my 10,000 fuck shit assignments I got to work on. But... I still go there because I like the camaraderie. Yes. And I'm I'm one of those people. It's like community is something I value. Nice. And that was the thing I was missing. God, what was it? During this past fall, my Tuesday and Thursday nights were taken with um, being on campus. And so I didn't get to see my meditation group. I didn't get to see my writer's group. And lacking both of those things... I mean, lacking one of those things is kind of an amputation but lacking both of those things it was just like i felt so unmoored and i like ha i like having my community i have to have my community nice i mean we kind of sometimes got together for coffee or something one-on-one -on -one, outside that of the sort group. of thing yeah. so i'm not going too feral but still i like my group dynamic how long does it take you to go feral not very long oh wow yeah it's just i go feral super quick that's the extrovert side of me gotcha and I think when I was younger, I I was a little more comfortable with the introvert side. I liked my own company and whatnot. And I was really, this was when I was really super productive with my writing, when I was just like crazy. But um, I was fine being inside my own head because inside my own head, I was just like, 
I got so much done. Yeah. I was fine with the introversion part. But now that I'm older, it's like when you get older, too, your circle gets smaller. Yeah. And so I have this fear of being one of these old people that dies alone. And I don't want that to happen. Gotcha. I have to indulge my extrovert side a lot more. You're... And I, I'm not sure what happened to make me go feral so yeah, so crazy, but it might be the whole midlife kind of thing going on. You're going to actually get pregnant, aren't you? No. <laughs> I'm already pregnant, Sabrina. I, I can't you... Little Nasty, yes. I'm, al- I'm already pregnant with Little Nasty. Yes. So that's already happening. But a similar thing happened, too, when... Um, it was a couple years ago. I had to take that statistics class Tuesday and Thursday nights. Mm-hmm. And that robbed me of both my writing group and my meditation group. And I had gone, I'd gone pretty fucking feral during that semester too. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I, got, I gotta have my, I gotta have community. I really super need that. And that kind of helps fill my well. I know people who are extroverts who, who at times can't get out. If let's say you're feeling feral and you don't have a chance to get your community for about two weeks. What happens to you? Oh my God. It's just like tie, tie my hands behind my back. I, I'm, I feel fucking helpless. It's just like, I want to jump out of my skin. Oh wow. It's just, ugh. It ain't cute inside my head, Sabrina, when I am feral. <laughs> I'm in the emotional equivalent of the padded room. Interesting. Yeah, I got, I got to have the straight jacket and everything. It's just like, ugh, I, I really want to jump out of my skin. Wow. Climb the walls and it's just, ah. It, it's kind of a cabin fever sort of feeling. Gotcha. So I think that's that's the best way I could describe it. It's a very cabin fever kind of thing. But yeah, so I hope we've helped you fill the well. Yep. This was kind of a... All over the place episode Yeah, very all fun. over the... Yeah. A <laughs> little bit crazy, a little bit of advice, a little bit of digression, a lot of entertainment. That better be a lot of entertainment. You're welcome, bitches. Exactly. <laughs> You know, I say bitches with love. Yes. So um, I'm blocked. I'm blocked for a conclusion. I have writer's block for this conclusion. We have podcaster's block. Pod block. Pod block. Pod block. Oh my God, you know what? Big Nasty, the the father of Little Nasty, is the audio father of Little Nasty, I should say. Don't try and sue us. We're broke. I'm I'm trying to get you to pay me. (laughs) But (laughs) he's been kind of our muse. Yes. For this podcast. For this podcast. You had... God, what episode did you introduce him? I forget, but he's been kind of a staple ever since. I introduced him before our first food fight episode. Yeah, it was before the first food fight. I brought him up... God, I think I was just talking about his abs because Creed 2 or something. Something like that. Yeah. (laughs) He's been with us for a while, and now you're having his kid. I know. God, this year's gone by so fast. Exactly. (sighs) Oh. We've all grown. Yeah, we've all grown. And I'm going to be grown out with my big old pregnancy belly because I'm going to give birth to that 13-pound baby. Your baby shower is going to be lit. It's going to be lit. Do you think Domino's would sponsor our baby shower? I think so. Okay. Put actual baby items on the registry and not just stuff you want. <laughs> okay. I was just going to put like a group on for my all of my plastic surgery. Wow. That's going to be on my registry. Great idea. Okay, and I also got to get the, um, like, diapers. Diapers are fucking expensive. I never thought about that, yeah. Or diaper service if we want to do the cloth diaper thing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, a nanny service. I could 
Could you put a nanny service on the registry? Because I'm not going to race the little fucker. I've got to get a team of nannies for this. I'm a busy podcaster, okay? Ah, we need babysitters. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, volunteer. Mm-hmm. We could crowdsource that. We could, yes. We could do the GoFundMe. We could put that as a Patreon expense. How about that? Exactly. Let's do that because, yeah, I think that would be, that would be a little more practical. So, yeah, um, I'll be registered at Jimboree. Baby Geniuses. Is it Baby Geniuses? And Baby Gap. And um, any place that sells fucking diapers. Target. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely got to register at Target. Just give her gift cards for Target. Yeah, I'm Target's bitch. So, yeah. On that note, I'm Carly Knight. <laughs> and I'm Sabrina Monet. And this has been Procrastination Planet. Thank you. Bye. Bye. How far can we take that without getting sued? Procrastination Planet has been written and produced by me, Carly Knight, and my partner in crime, Sabrina Monet. Our logo was designed by C. Trojan of C. Trojan Art. For more of his work, go to ctrojanart.com. Our theme music is Laser Unicorns by Christian Penn, courtesy of Gemendo Licensing. Visit us at procrastinationplanet.com. Follow us on Twitter at ProcrastPlanet. Follow us on Instagram at Procrastination Planet Podcast. If you like us, tell your friends and spread the word. If you hate us, lie and tell your friends how much you like us anyway. We could use the publicity.